0: This is Cindy, my good friend and mentor, graduated with honors from the University of Connecticut at Storrs, receiving a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree with a major in acting, directing, and playwriting. Cindy is a multi-year recipient of Long Island's Best Psychic. She is the author of multiple books which focus on life, love, and relationships. Cindy has been seen on television and is the regular host of her own radio show
1: on Blog Talk Radio. This is Dr. Gary He has been in the education field for over 20 years and earned his doctorate from St. John's University. He has spent most of his life motivating students of all ages and achieved mastery as an amazing instructional leader. Dr. Gary has been a personal trainer, teacher, professor, coach, DJ, and a professional wrestler, but he's also a psychic.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Soul Matters Podcast, session number nine, and I am with Cindy Sansom-Bref as always. Hello, Cindy. How are you?
1: I'm fine. Thank you. Thanks for asking.
0: How about you? Doing well. Doing well. And, uh, you know, it's um, kind of a nice change in a little bit of the weather pattern. It was a little warmer today, and... Um, you Know, kind of getting outside a little bit, walking around. It was uh, kind of like a little glimpse of the um, late October, early November weather. So that was kind of nice. It is beautiful. And the sunset was quite beautiful. I walked by the water. It was beautiful today. For sure. You know, and uh, it's, that's, you know, it's one of those things where we, we got to find a, the positive and all the craziness that's been uh, around us and, and upon us. So, um, you know, with that being said, we're going to be looking at tonight and talking a little bit about. Um, learning to forgive ourselves and others, and obviously in the in the spirit of the holiday season, and uh, you know, with this is the second night of Hanukkah as well as the um, the Christmas holiday just around the corner, we're going to be looking at the you know the gift of forgiveness and what that means to people and for people, and I think it's something that is uh, it's so important. And in the same token, or on the same token, it is so hard um, to not only forgive others but to forgive yourself uh, for whatever it is that you you may be dwelling on or thinking about or, or working through. Um, so, and I'd love to get your feedback on, on that. Uh, and you know, hopefully we, um, we can provide value to our listeners and hope that they are able to, you know, tread these waters carefully and, and find some resolve during this holiday season.
1: Exactly. And I love the way you said forgiveness of self, because that's really the hardest lesson in forgiveness. Most of us forgive everybody else too easily and too often, but with ourselves, we beat ourselves up all the time. I know I'm really guilty of that. If I make the slightest mistake, I'll beat myself up all day. But if you did it or someone else did it, I'd go, no big deal. It's fine. We'll figure it out. We'll work it out. Uh, so it's, I think we've got to be a little kinder to ourselves during this holiday season and during this 2020 and COVID time, a little bit of forgiveness is important. And we wanted to do this at the holiday time because sometimes this is a time of year when if you're estranged from family members or if you have strained relationships with people, it's really hard to get through this holiday season. And we have to work on it. There are people we have to forgive. Um, Is it possible to forgive them? Though that's really the question. Is it possible to forgive
0: you know, I think that um, with those two, you know, two separate uh, pieces of the puzzle where we're trying to forgive ourselves and yet, you know, also forgive others. I think, we'll, you know, we'll, we can even start with, you know, the the piece of of trying to forgive others. Now, you know, many of us have always, you know, have felt, you know, that we've been wronged in some way, shape or form, or that we have been mistreated or misguided. And it causes the, just a buildup of resentment that obviously just eats away um, you know, at people. And, uh, generally when you feeling, when you're feeling that resentment, it, it comes in the form of your, just the, to- the toxicity of yourself that you feel within yourself generally doesn't affect the person that's causing the resentment. Um, and you're really just kind of eating away at yourself. Um, I kind of refer to a quote by uh, Nelson Mandela, where he says, resentment is like a glass of poison that a man drinks. Then he sits down and waits for his enemy to die. <laughs> um, and, and I always loved that. And I've heard that so many times, you know, over the course of, of my life through the years. And it's so true. You know, it, it really does eat away um, at, at yourself. And for whatever reason there is
1: resentment, uh, it, is, it, it's, it is a poison. It really is a poison. It also keeps you in victim consciousness, okay? If you stay with that resentment, and if you don't learn the proper steps of forgiveness, then you're going to play victim. And in 25 years of doing what I do for a living, I have found that the people who don't learn how to forgive, who live in resentment, will stay in that victim consciousness. And when you're in victim consciousness, you will never change, nor will your life ever, ever change. So the biggest component of forgiveness, and the word forgiveness as Jesus used it, meant to untie. He spoke Aramaic, and the word meant to untie. And it unties you karmically to a person when you forgive them. And don't we want to sometimes separate separate karma, be karmically free of people? So forgiveness means either being free of a person or being free of the resentment, however you choose to forgive. Now, forgiveness also doesn't mean reconciliation. I think we all mix that up. I think we think if we forgive someone, that means we have to reconcile. That's not the truth. We can forgive people, but we are not under any obligation to forgive actions. Okay. Certain actions are totally unforgivable. You can't forgive them, but you forgive a person because people are flawed and because they're human. And when we forgive that person, whether we reconcile with them or not would mean, did they do the proper steps of forgiveness? Most of us do not go through the steps of forgiveness. We just, someone says they're sorry and we say, okay. And then they do it again and they do it to us a thousand more times. And we keep saying, okay, because they've just said they're sorry. They didn't change behaviors. They didn't change anything about what they did. And then 10 years into that relationship, we're very angry. We're filled with resentment. And Jesus was very adamant. He said, you forgive seven times, 70 times. 490 times, it says in the New Testament. Didn't say a gazillion times. It didn't say you forgive someone 10,000 times. When I was a child, I thought, boy, 490 times to forgive someone, that's an awful lot of times. I'm a lot older now. 490 times, I've forgiven people 490 times in a year. Okay. Sure. And forgiveness would mean 490 different sins. Okay. Not the same sin committed over and over again, the same crime against you over and over again. So in order to truly forgive a person, they would A, have to recognize wrongdoing. Okay. It's just like if you're an alcoholic, the first step in healing is to admit you're an alcoholic. Sure. So you would have to admit you did something wrong. Then you would say you're sorry. Then you would do the next necessary steps to not do it again. That means go to therapy, figure out your stuff, okay? If we feel that, you know, the person is going to do it again, and meanwhile, you also have to make amends to a person. So there's there's the steps, okay, of making amends. But if we feel like that person's going to do it again, and we've given them more than three or four chances, forgiveness doesn't at that point mean we reconcile with them. It means we forgive the person, about their actions. We untie our karma from them in this lifetime, hopefully in another lifetime as well. If we end it with righteous anger, which means I'm going to tell you, you know, I loved you, but you continually did A B C D and you continue to do A B C D. And you have continued to do it. And I believe you will continue to do that. So I am going to cut you out of my life. Okay. And my intention is not to hurt you. It is self love. It's 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 self preservation because you're going to kill me with that behavior, and it's to teach and instruct you. Enough is enough.
0: And it goes a lot back to also like you know cycle breaking. You know a lot of people you know they they are in that perpetual state of abuse and receiving that abuse, and if they don't um, put a stop to it, break that cycle, it's just like you said you know, we're, we're, we're forgiving somebody, you know, 490 times a year for the, for different issues. And it just, it, it doesn't end, you know? And I, and I, it, I'm reminded of, uh, you know, I would say a few years ago, I had a very similar situation with, uh, you know, my, my brothers. And, you know, one of the things that I, um, I tried to kind of wrap my head around was like, you know, what were the mistakes that I made in the relationship, um, that had caused us to, to not have a relationship anymore? And as you start thinking and you start thinking deeper, um, you know, you realize that both sides made mistakes. So, you know, I had to forgive myself for making those mistakes, but in order for me to, to forgive myself, I had to be the one to, to reach out and say like, listen, like there was mistakes that were made, you know, I'm owning up to it and I, and I want to reconnect. Uh, and I, and I'd like to work through them, but just like you said, forgiveness does not mean reconciliation and that's exactly what had happened in in this situation so anytime you know a discussion of my brothers come up whether it's with you know extended family uh within my immediate family you know i i almost always defend them um because i always say you know you have to understand where they were coming from you know or one brother in particular like you have to understand like so it's never like look what they did even to this day, I still defend um, and and try to see their side of it because I was able to forgive myself. but yet in turn, I couldn't do that without having to be able to extend and forgive and reach out um, to say, you know, I, I tried everything I could to to reconcile. And if it doesn't if it didn't happen, which it did not, um, it didn't happen. And you have to almost you know come to peace with that. and And, and I think that that's the hardest part for people because they're afraid of that rejection, like, well, but I tried, I I wanted to reconcile and you didn't, but they don't, they don't understand, like that does not necessarily mean, you know, that's not always the outcome. And I think people do have to uh, wrap their head around that. And I I think that there's a fear, you know, fear factor involved in, in trying to, to forgive. Um, So, and I I think that that's a big piece of this too.
1: And also, because if you just say you forgive someone, you know, like when I was younger, I remember dealing a very abusive person and he would always learn from me oh if he if I say I'm sorry then she's going to forgive me so he'd be as abusive as he could for a day and a half or two and then just say he's sorry and I should just forgive that and when I was younger I did but you know years of that after a while you go his I'm sorry didn't mean it he didn't mean it I'm sorry means you recognize you did something wrong. You know, not do it again. It doesn't mean, okay, I'm going to be abusive. And I know all else I have to say is the magic words. I'm sorry when I feel like saying it. And then she's going to just accept it. And after a while, he, I mean, I think he was the greatest teacher of mine because I began to realize, well, it seems like that's what I'm supposed to do. You know, someone abuses you and then they say they're sorry and we're supposed to accept it because they said they're sorry. And that's not enough. I'm sorry means you don't keep doing that again and again and again, because I'm sorry doesn't give you a license to be abusive you know, thinking that I could do whatever I want. And then this is the magic words I wave around. And I think we've learned erroneous things about forgiveness. We've learned that we're supposed to forgive anybody who says they're sorry. Okay. And again, they don't recognize it. And just saying, I'm sorry, when you don't mean it is a form of manipulation. True. Sure you're manipulating me. You're not sorry one bit. You just feel like now you need me in your life or you want me in your life. And, you know, I went through that with my dad when he was toward the end of his life. And one day he called me, my, my father was the kind of man that didn't understand boundaries, who thought he had the right to own you, tell you what to do. And meanwhile, I'm already like 59 years old and I'm divorced. And my father called me up to say, I want to know what you're doing with your money. Now, mind you, I did not asked this man for money, you know, for since I left college. So, you know, now you're calling me up to ask me what I'm doing with my money. And I was in, kind of tired from work that day. And I said, look, I'm just going to hang up before I tell you a lot of stuff I want to say. Right. I've got 40 years of stuff I want to launch like a grenade at you right now. But I'm just going to say, I'm going to get off this phone and you are to never ask me what I do with my money that I work for, right? Ever, ever again. Well, he hung up on me like that, and weeks passed, and I wasn't going to get on that phone and call them, call him up. I was like, Mm-mm. on this one, he's going to have to suck this up on this this time. And two weeks passed, and all of a sudden, I hear spirit saying to me, "Oh, your father's going to call you today." And he's going to say he's sorry, but he's not really sorry. Your mother's crying because there's nobody else around. Their other three children are, you know, all around the world. Nobody's there to take care of them or oversee things except you. So he has no choice but to call you and say he's sorry. But don't buy it for one minute. So when he calls me, he's talking, and finally he starts saying, you know, your mom's crying. You haven't come over. So – I knew the whole drill. So of course he's, you know, said he's sorry, but he didn't mean it. It was just another form of manipulation on his part. But, you know, I had reached the point where I didn't really care if he reconciled with me. I really didn't care if I saw him again or didn't see him again. I had had enough of it. And so I think my grown up behavior to him at that point, let him know, I'm not afraid of you and I'm not intimidated by you and I'm not going to be bullied by you anymore. And for the last maybe year that he lived, his reaction and his ways dealing with me was very different because I was no longer afraid. Yeah, and so sense. again, pay attention to people that are abusive and then they say they're sorry.
0: Yeah. You well, know, my, I mean, my favorite is like, you know, when you, when you actually confront somebody about. Um, You know whether it was a wrongdoing or misconception or um, something they did that they were you know allegedly unaware of, and then once you confront the behavior, they go hysterical crying, (laughs) and then you feel as though, oh my gosh, what have I done? Right, and then you're the one feeling bad and trying to then you know ask for their forgiveness for making them cry when in fact it it really that is a form of manipulation as well. Um, You know if there wasn't the crying and there was maybe the the verbal, you know, I don't know what's wrong with me, then then you're talking about, you know, like a passive aggressive behavior, but that like just bursting out crying, like that that is a that is a form
1: of manipulation. Of Uh, course. And guilting us that you've said something back. And you know an important concept of forgiveness is it isn't denial. I think that's what we've practiced most of our life with forgiveness. Sure. We've denied someone hurt us. We've pretended it didn't hurt now. Um, you know, we're trying to minimize what they did to us and not recognize it. And, you know, old souls, people that have had a lot of lifetimes tend to be great crap takers. <laughs> and it's It goes with the territory and we're tolerant And there's a point where we don't realize how much crap is given to us. And then it manifests as depression. You know, older souls are very prone to depression. And depression is anger turned inward in a feeling of hopelessness. And if you're going to keep turning all that anger inward when someone's abused you and you don't do the proper steps of forgiveness and you deny that they've done something horrible, then you're going to over you know, decades build up this low-grade depression that's just there. And your depression is kind of a motor that keeps the anger down. And if you're not going to change the way you see the world or the way you respond to people, it is going to be hopeless. If you continue to forgive people who really are abusive, who never make their amends to you, then it's a hopeless situation, isn't it? Because how... So it's important that we love ourselves the way we love our children or someone we protect we know instinctively when someone has done something unforgivable or really bad to someone we love and we know how to tell that person no that's not forgivable or you don't you know you don't have to reconcile with that person but when it's done to us we keep turning the other cheek and we keep saying well they oh it's okay they didn't mean it and a lifetime of that makes you feel like a doormat.
0: And yeah, and that that that's a big thing too. So like the you know the the initial part of like try, kind of like almost facing the facts, like this has been going on for a while, it's not ending, this is this is a perpetual state of abuse and and I'm forgiving people for continually making me a doormat. And then, you know, what ends up happening is once we get to the point where we have confronted it and we have you know, we have said like you draw that line in the sand. Like I'm, I'm not going to take this behavior anymore. You know, I, I'm going to possibly forgive you, but I'm not going to forget like the the issue that's been presented here. But a lot of the time, I feel like a, a byproduct of those situations is internal anger um, that's held on by the person who is potentially doing the forgiving. And I think one of the one of the things that I I would like to even know for myself because there's situations where. I'm still holding on to to major resentment, major anger, um, over people who have just really focused their energy on trying to hurt me. And, and I don't really, I'm not entirely sure. I know why, uh, it could, it's most likely a them thing. Um, but it's, it's something that, you know, how do we get rid of that anger? How do we oust the anger, so to speak, um, to basically make yourself, um, just get that all out. And out of your body so you can really live, you know, more uh, happier life and kind of, you know, shed yourself of that resentment.
1: Well, does that, is that resentment toward people that you're still seeing in your life or that's people that you're no longer in your life that you're talking about? I
0: would say that it's probably, I I don't see them on a daily basis, but they are people that I'm, I I have to be around um, on occasion and interact with on occasion. Um, so it's something, it's, it's something that I would, I would say that, um, you know, the, the, the people that did this type of behavior, um, or thrust this type of behavior on me, um, they were, they were trying to hurt me, get me fired, um, try to to stir up controversy, make lies, um, just to, to diminish my character. And I think that when you try so hard to hurt somebody, like that anger that I still have inside for what they did, you know, I I try very hard to like shed that and kind of try to move on, but that's tough for people to do. Uh, I know it's tough for me to do. Um, so I don't I don't know how, um, I don't really know how to completely release
1: that anger. That is well, is being righteous anger. First of all, being able to know when it's righteous, we have a right to be angry. Part of it is that we've been brainwashed from organized religion and growing up that you should never be angry. That's not a valid emotion. You should stuff it down. You should, but righteous anger is, you know, have you addressed the facts with these people? Have you dealt with it? Maybe you were never able to deal with it properly with them. And, you know, the resentments are probably festering inside of you because you haven't discussed it but sometimes with these people if you do talk about it it can make it worse so you're walking a fine line between is it going to make it worse is it going to make it better the way that you can get over that is remembering when uh jesus said they know not what they do right hey they don't know what they do it's not about you personally i've learned that a long time ago it's not launched at me it's what i might represent that they they are they're doing nasty things too. When people are genuinely good people, they're often, you know, kind of attacked by people who are not good people, the people that I call the unfixables, the very manipulative, judgmental, not accountable people, like to make good people's life hell. If you're a relatively happy person and you're, you know, they just wanna put their power over you, they wanna make you miserable. And, you know, depressed people, sometimes you can't be depressed and angry at the same time. So they're so depressed that they want to get angry and they want to start a fight, start a war with you. And that's the hard part about it, that it's not necessarily launched at you personally. And I've learned a long time ago to let a lot of that go. When I realize someone's a manipulative, judgmental, not accountable person, I don't really take it personally. Right. Really don't. I've learned to just deal with it in the calmest way that I can with the righteous anger, and I don't say that I always do it. There's, there's a few instances in the last few years that I think I didn't handle situations as well as I could have. Um, maybe they caught me at a bad moment. Sometimes if you're tired or you know, you, you know, you've had it up to here with these people, um, that shutting up, shutting up, pretending to have forgiven people. And all of a sudden they do one of their same nonsense things to you and they hit you at that wrong moment. You just blow up like a grenade, which they love because they want to see that happen. Sure. So it's kind of learning to not take it personally and look beyond what, what maybe are they jealous of you. And it's weird because jealousy isn't a thing that I have a lot of with people. Sometimes I envy them, but in a good way. Like if someone's just worked out, like I noticed Gary's working out, he looks great. It's, um, I envy, oh, wow, look how great he looks. But that envy might inspire me to work out more because like, I, you know, I feel like I could look better too, but I don't really experience jealousies with people. I've never been that kind of person. I've always tried to be an empowering person, even if I feel envy of someone, by the way, in a way that I know is not healthy. I will never express that. I will be so supportive of them, and you know, want to be a better person about it. But a lot of people have jealousies. And when they're jealous of a person, that's when they really want to make your life hell. They want to go after you. They want to make you feel bad. They criticize everything you do.
0: And you'll never hear that they're actually jealous. It'll just be no. it'll come out in, in anger. It'll come out in deceit or sabotage. Um and you'll never really understand that it is actually jealousy. But again, you have to like you had said, like you almost have to, you know, they know what they, you know, they, they don't know what they're doing. Like they don't they don't know um that they're actually doing it because of that. Um,
1: but it could be like you said, an intimidation, a jealousy. Jealousy. And also, you know, sometimes if you could see the world like you did with your brothers, if you could walk through someone else's shoes and maybe understand that whatever they came from in their life or whatever it is, that their frame of reference is making them respond that way. And again, not taking it personally, you know, hurt people hurt people. So maybe they're hurting, maybe they want to hurt you back. So forgiveness can sometimes come when you get compassion for another person or understanding, or maybe you were once like that as well. So it's really trying to see why are they doing it, what's going on in them, but again, not always taking everything so personally. Like right now, we have such a volatile climate in this country. Like no one has a sense of humor anymore. Yeah, I mean, people used to say things in a way that were funny, and they were probably very politically incorrect, but they did open your eyes. Right, in their funny sense of humor, parody. We're not going to be able to have any of that anymore. Satire, none of that anymore, because people have no sense of humor.
0: No, but everything's is- going to be politically correct. Everything's, you know, a, you know, a violation of somebody. Everything's taken personally. There's, there's no, there's no room for that. It is, and I'm, I consider myself like, that's what I, I'm all about. Like at the core, I, I like to joke around. I like to be silly. I like to be sarcastic. And sometimes, like, I'll throw out a joke, and it's like crickets. And I'm like, wow, tough audience. Like, tough nobody, audience. Uh, yeah, nobody wants to crack a smile because they're afraid of whatever
1: they're afraid of. It's just, it's incredible. But a sense of humor is one of the most disarming things. You can stop a war, you can stop, you know, someone's rage by saying something funny. And it might be not politically correct that you said, but it's funny. And that person laughs, and you, the two of you laugh, and it, gives a, and I'm not saying an evil thing you're saying. It's just no matter what you say nowadays, it seems to offend somebody. Right. And that's we're getting too oversensitive and too so that we don't use the weapons that we have, humor, which hooks someone's soul. And that's important. Not to take away that that sense of humor from any of us. And I think that's important. It's important. Sure. And even if someone you know, does say something that you think is politically incorrect. You know, when I was growing up, a lot of words that were used that were considered politically correct are not now. So a lot of my generation, you'll see it in movies all the time, will call someone an oriental person. And of course, you know, the younger generation will say, that's an object. They're Asians and not oriental. But, and they get really mad at their parents. But meanwhile, that was the word that we were taught. And it wasn't an insulting word. And, doesn't mean that they're, you know, prejudice and attack the person, you know, and right. some people are just old, they're 90 years old. That's the word they learned when they were young, you're never going to unlearn that word at this point in their life. But don't get so, you know, don't take it like that person and then is a horrible person and, um, and, you know, lash out on them. So let's work a little bit on our on our getting a little tougher skin so that maybe we don't have to forgive people so much because they're not doing anything to really bother us.
0: I think it's a really good point. Like I, I, I can tell you like, you know, a lot of my, you know, conversations with my family has always been like, you know, I'm, I'm always the jokester. So I'll throw out those one-liners. I'll constantly like be, be on, like, I feel like I'm doing a performance and you know, I'm always having my cousins. they're always laughing and you know, we're always having a good time, you know, but I, I found that, you know, there's, there's sections of my life where I've, I've lost that sense of humor. And when I've lost that sense of humor, um is when I find that I've been in um, more situations that have uh, exacerbated conflict. Uh, so you know, it, there, there's a definitely a direct correlation. Like if if you keep things light and you don't necessarily take things so personally, um, I think that that humor, that 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 sense of awareness, uh, it, it almost like it, instead of heightening you, it actually brings you down a few pegs. So where everything is kind of like, you know, at a level playing field, as opposed to like constantly throwing you into this fit of rage. Um, you know, and and I think that all of these things are really important when dealing with forgiveness of, of others. Now, if we look at, you know, the bit, the big piece of this, which is trying to now, you know, figure out how do we forgive ourselves? Um, I think that that's something that is just, um, It's very hard for people, you know, like you said, we can forgive somebody else a thousand times Um, but we just can't forgive ourselves and I think it's part of that is really just You know, the first step is really like almost like confronting your inner critic Like because everyone or some people are so critical of themselves Where they're, you know, very open and free and that's okay. Everything's fine with other people Meanwhile, they
1: are their own worst enemy exactly and you know, it's very hard to learn that self-forgiveness because, you know, we do have that critic and we do maybe put ourselves up to a standard that maybe is superhuman. We're not superhuman, any of us. And always look, what was your intention when you did something? You know, s- sometimes we didn't mean to intent- we didn't wasn't intentionally that we hurt someone. Maybe we did say something that the person took as, uh, you know, offensive or, and, but our intention certainly wasn't to do that. And then we kick ourselves. Why didn't I say it differently? Why didn't I say it better? How did it come out that way? And all of these things, you know, we have to cut everybody a little slack because we are human and cutting ourselves slack is important. And a lot of people don't forgive things they did, you know, 50 years ago, 20 years ago, they're still kicking themselves over the head about it. But you can forgive yourself when you've learned from it. I don't think we forgive ourselves if we keep making the same mistake over and over again. Again, that's not forgivable.
0: And if you do, if you do forgive yourself for things that you're doing over and over again, then you should probably listen to our narcissist. <laughs> right, but you know,
1: if if you you learn from it, you know you did yeah you did something wrong twenty years ago, but you learn from it. and You didn't do it again, and meanwhile you're still beating yourself up for something you did twenty years ago. Well, yeah. we have to make mistakes. That's how we learn. Sure. And God says, make mistakes, make lots of mistakes. Just don't keep making the same ones over and over again. That's 100%. all God asks. Don't make the same mistake over and over again.
0: You know, it's funny. I, I think a lot of, I, I'm not that I'm speaking for you, but you could probably attest to this too. Like anybody that has come to me for a reading um, and one of, the, one of the, the big pieces of advice that I've gotten from you is that, you know, not everybody needs to have a psychic reading when they're asking a question. Sometimes it's just exposing them to common sense. Right. Um, because they're just not willing to see the common sense for themselves. And, you know, I think if you talk to a lot of like family therapists or psychologists, they would probably say to somebody who's, who's very self-critical, you know, to take your own advice. So if your best friend's coming to you with, with an issue and, or they made a mistake and they're telling you, what would you tell your best friend? You'd say, listen, you know, I, I understand you made a mistake. Like you, you understand that you made it, you know, you're, you're owning up to it. Like, that's fine. You're going to be fine. Like, let's move on. And then if that's the advice you'd give your best friend, take your own freaking advice. Exactly, exactly. Because nobody else is gonna, you know, forgive you the way you would forgive your best friend. So, you know, why
1: not forgive yourself the way that you would do that? And again, we also have trouble with forgiveness when we've allowed people to take advantage of us and we've allowed people to abuse us. And if you do that long enough in your life, and I did it a long time in my life, there are long-term consequences of that behaviors, okay, that you've allowed people to take advantage of you. And maybe it's cost you a lot of money financially, or you've allowed them to hurt you and it's affected you biologically. It's after a while affected your health. These long-term consequences of allowing that behavior to go on for too long, then you're stuck with those consequences as if it's God's reminder, Now you have a lot less money to show for yourself because you bailed out a lot of people you shouldn't have bailed out. Okay. And now you're mad at yourself for bailing out those people who kept doing the same things over and over again, or you stayed in an abusive relationship and now you've got some major disease from it, or you've got heart disease, or you've, you know, you've got an autoimmune disorder because you beat yourself up so much because you're not mad at them. You're mad at you. So now you have MS or some disease that we, some weird disease we give ourselves and now you're stuck with this long-term reminder. And you know, that's hard to forgive ourselves that we allowed people to hurt us. Right. And so the sooner we can put an end to that, the better. Because if it goes on for 20 years, there are long-term things that are going to be there and maybe they're never going to be fixable in this lifetime.
0: Right. So, I think uh, part of our, I guess what we would probably, you know, tell our listeners to to maybe start as like even a first step is like, you know, you got to sometimes like, you know, you got to quit playing the, you know, playing the, the images and the, and the tape back over and over again in your mind, like try to, you know, focus on one positive step in order to distract or let go of that mistake that you think that you made, um, or that you, f- you feel was so bad that you are, con- you know, continually and perpetually playing it over and over again in your mind, like take that step to move, to forgive yourself, Um, And at least you know, do do something positive. If it starts circulating in your brain, maybe go for a walk, maybe exercise, Uh, maybe do something you enjoy, read a book, Um, you know, maybe watch a silly movie or something. It's one of those things where you have to kind of like cut the tape, um, stop letting it play over and over again in your brain, because that's, I think that, and I and I think that even with myself, like I know that that happens a lot. Like you play these 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 stories or these, these issues or whatever it is over and over and over again. And it becomes like this, just, it blows up and it it just eats you up inside. And I think that, um, one of the things that I tried to do too, is I like, we were just talking about it before we went on the air, you know, focusing on like exercising and, and things that, you know, you can dive into that are positive, um, as opposed to replaying these, these
1: mistakes over and over again. Exactly. And also, You know, you get to a certain age where you have to stop blaming mommy and daddy, okay? And forgive your parents. I mean, you know, especially if you've never had children. People who never have children will never understand how hard it is to be a parent. Oh, so it's not my mom and dad's fault? Everything? No, sorry. Sorry. Sorry, Gary. Damn it. Nope. Uh Uh-uh. And you don't want your daughter later on to turn around and say, well, my dad did this on this date, and then he did this on this date, and he did this, then that thing." Your parents are human. Parents are human beings. And, you know, we have to come to that place of forgiveness. I knew I came to the place of forgiving my father for many of his sins. I didn't forgive the person by any means for, you know, I mean, I forgive the person, but not some of his actions. They were just not forgivable. Sure. But by the time I had a child of my own and, you know, I swore I'd never scream at my kid. I'd never be like my dad. And, you know, when my daughter was a teenager, when dad was really screaming at her, And I kind of heard the voice of spirit saying, oh boy, you swore you'd never be your father. Watch what you judge, what you judge you become. So we all, you know, have to stop blaming the generation before, or, you know, let it, let us all be human and forgive. You know, parenting is a very long time Gary, You're a young parent, but it goes on for a long time. Mm -hmm. And there's no perfect parents and there's no perfect children And you're going to do some things your daughter's going to think later on were bad. And, you know, you're going to do some stuff you're going to think was, we have to like kind of cut some slack with family members. It's difficult, especially during hard times. Like now, it's not easy to be locked in a foxhole together and it could be good or bad. But just if you're one of these people that keep blaming your mom and dad for everything that's wrong in your life it's got to stop once you're over the age of 25. It doesn't really matter who your mom and dad were. Did you did you say uh, that is that like a my generation thing? Ah uh, yeah. Yeah. I have to tell you the only reason I'm saying it is because I've done like six readings in the last two days of generation parents of my generation whose children are judging them so harshly. And they they were good parents, hardworking, good parents did the best they could and it's getting to them that what is it that you kids thought we could have done different or better? I mean, my generation was overwhelmed. There were so many kids, by the way, that we were, you know, parents had so many kids. So I think, you know, sometimes we felt neglected, but there was a lot of kids. But, you know, our fathers were shell-shocked from World War II. Sometimes they were violent. There was a lot of alcoholism. Um, We were beaten regularly, my generation. We were screamed at. We weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed to have a thought of my own. I, if i said something my father didn't approve of i'd be smacked so hard and he'd say who's saying this to you so in some ways maybe we tried to be easier going parents and maybe gave you more of a more of a rope or whatever to behave but it seems to be something that your generation has gone the other extreme from wh- where we blindly honored our parents no matter what which was the generation before me right to now your generation is kind of blaming us for a lot of everything I see and right. it's and We're getting older now. We're getting tired, you know, of hearing it. We did the best we could. And so I think it's a time for like everyone, let's be responsible and accountable for our own behaviors today, you know, and who we are today. And stop resenting your parents. If you're still resenting them and blaming them because you didn't you they didn't let you do this and they didn't let you do that, and you wanted to do this and whatever it is, get over it and you know,
0: that's, that's probably right. And I think that's a great takeaway. And do you
1: see that with your generation? Am I making it up or do you see it? Uh, I know I definitely
0: see it. Um, I, I was probably, uh, I would say I was less, more recently I've been less critical, uh, where maybe years and years ago I was, I was more critical, but I could see that. Um, you know, and I, and I think that that's something that you know, you, you do, you have to, you kind of have to get over it. Like, you know, you can't, you, you can't really just um, constantly look to somebody else to point the finger at. I mean, cause when you point the finger at somebody, there's three pointing back at you.
1: Right. You know, exactly. So you, you know, and you, also it's because then you're not taking responsibility. Right. If you're not happy or you think your parents could have done something different or better then you do it different or better. That's what I had to do. I tried to do things different and, and better than maybe... they were telling me I could do or not do. I mean, our parents weren't cheerleaders for us. My parents didn't cheerlead us on and say, you're great at everything. You're so good. I remember once not even bringing a report card home. And my teacher said, you have to have this signed. And I had all A's by the way, there was no reason. And I said, well, they don't really care. Like, why should I bring it home to them? They don't care if I get all A's, I don't care if I fail. And I, I asked my teacher, can I forge it? And she said, sure. Like <laughs> she just said, sure. I mean, when she heard me say, they don't really care. Like she was like, aren't you proud to show it to them? I go, no, they don't care. It wow. doesn't mean anything to them. So we didn't get rah, rah, siskumba. And I think we went the other way to like almost overpraise everything or whatever. So it's an extreme of just focus on forgiving. If you have issues with your parents, forgive them, um, you know, the people, not always their actions, and cut them some slack and stop rubbing it in their face all the time.
0: Agreed. I think f- forgiveness is without a doubt the most important part of the healing process. Um, you know, for both uh, you know yourself and obviously for others, letting go of that that anger, that guilt, uh, this the sadness, or you know any other feeling that you you may be experiencing at that time. Um, and and I think that it's okay to validate your feelings. But you do have to, you know, you have to forgive and you do have to move on and, and like you said, take ownership. And, and I think that that's, um, that's the best gift we could give anybody during this time of the year as well, um, the gift of forgiveness. Uh, and sometimes that comes in the form of, you know, mostly forgiving ourselves. And I hope everyone, you know, I hope that resonates with people. I hope it, uh, it makes people, you know, feel a little bit more comfortable with maybe taking on or engaging in that process because it's not easy. Uh, you know, we're not saying that it is, but in fact, it, it is going to release people of this um, mental and emotional uh, prison that they may be putting themselves in. So it's, uh, it's definitely, it's a good time of the year to, to start that for sure.
1: All right, and we wish everyone a happy holiday. And thank you so much for this because I think people needed to just deal with forgiveness, what it is, what it isn't, and um, and just enjoy our holiday season. I agree. Do it to to the best of your ability.
0: And once again, Cindy, I thank you very much for your time, your insight, your wisdom, and uh, I look forward to our next episode.
1: Me too. Bye for now.
0: Happy holidays, everyone.
1: It's amazing. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It's
0: We want to hear from you, our listeners. If you have a topic or a question or would like to be a guest on Soul Matters Podcast with Cindy and Dr. Gary, please email us at soulmatterspodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com.